This is Kate Mercer on the Go Well podcast. Today I'm talking with Dr. Gillian Ross, who's a best-selling producer of yoga and meditation CDs, uh, particularly uh, Yoga Nidra is her specialty, uh, and she's also written four books on science, spirituality, and self-transformation, including Consciousness versus Catastrophe and Reflections on the Next Stage of Human Evolution. In this uh, interview, I talk with Dr. Ross about the growth of consciousness, yoga nidra, and how to do it at home, and what it means to be an evolutionary mystic. Hi, uh, Dr. Gillian Ross. Thank you so much for joining me today on Go Well. Catherine, thank you so much for having me. I am very honoring of the work you've done over the years to help people's health and well-being. Oh, well, right back at you there, Gillian. Can I call you Gillian for this show? Of course, of course. I want to start firstly with actually getting our listeners to have a picture of where you're located. You've got a beautiful property up there in northern New South Wales. Can you just describe the day yes. up there today and what your property oh. is like? Well, of course, it's a beautiful spring day. The Clisterman bushes are flowering in red. I'm on 40-acre property just outside Nimbin in the Nimbin Valley. goes up a series of plateaus, so there are beautiful views at the top, and I've built a little well, put a little um, shed really up there, but I call it the temple. I go up there every day and meditate. And we hold meditation weekends here and I've, I've nurtured it as a space for spiritual retreats. When I got it synchronistically, I won't go into that, but it was an extraordinary way it came into my hands. I've delighted in restoring it to its native beauty. It was covered in lantana and very neglected. So I didn't know one tree from another when I got it, but I've learned about rainforest trees and looking after it. It's been a journey of great delight to create this, this beautiful space here for people to come and stay and for me to enjoy too, for that matter, and my family. And, and it's, it really is an alternative lifestyle for me, but I moved into an alternative lifestyle as long ago as the 80s because I, um, I had what you might call a midlife revolution. <laughs> You could call it crisis as well. I left academic life. I left city life. I left my marriage and took my three young sons off to the Blue Mountains of New South Wales. And the same thing there. I, I've, I wanted to explore an alternative lifestyle but, and uh, in Medlow Bath there and, and trained as a yoga and shiatsu practitioner and started to just be myself for the first time in my life. And I've never looked back, Catherine. It was just wonderful. How how yeah. old were you when you sort of had that bit of a crisis in your life? I was in my forties, early forties. Okay. I wanted to be a you know more attentive, more. I mean, I was yeah. I was abusing alcohol and taking Valium and stuff. I was really stressed a lot of the time with the work, just not in a happy space at all. I wasn't where I was meant to be at all. And then I started going to yoga classes, had a wonderful experience in the relaxation meditation practice, and thought, wow, I want to I want to do more of this and trained as a yoga teacher and just went on from there and then left my former life and found a new one. Yeah, well, certainly when I first started getting into all of this sort of thing, which is in the early 2000s, and I was reviewing a lot of meditation CDs, I think that's when I first came across your, it might have been through your, your book, which we'll come to. Yes. And I really wanted to bring that up in this interview, actually. Um, when you listen to CDs uh, and you're doing meditation, you're going to such a really deep level of relaxation. A person's voice and how they talk can can actually grate on you. Like some people mm. don't like the American voice, some people don't like mm. a man's voice. And I know mm. that you and your voice is one of uh, two, I think, that I chose, two or three out of quite a few that I reviewed 
that was just uh, just really worked, really worked for me. I love your. That's love very your sweet. Well, of course, the ABC has now put about fifteen CDs of mine out, mixture wow. of meditation, yoga, relaxation, and people tell me you know, that they just put me on to put them to sleep. I don't think they really hear much of what I say. <laughs> <laughs> They're off. <laughs> okay, well, that's great. Well, look, let's just go into a bit of a deeper level because you call yourself an evolutionary mystic these days. What Can you tell our, uh, for all of us, for our listeners as well, what that actually is? An evolutionary, well, a mystic, I mean, I believe we're all mystics at heart and our rather cruel Western culture, you know, materialistic culture has, has deprived us of our innate ability to be mystics and we just look to sages and of old and you know enlightened beings and so on when actually we all have that potential to connect with our with our divine source through meditation through through prayer etc etc and the mystic is doing exactly that a mystic is uh, adopts certain practices whatever works for them to to bring them into a relationship with the divine source to feel that connection that inner connection with a wealth of richness within which brings peace inner peace, inner joy, and enables one to be more creative and loving and caring in the world outside. In other words, it helps to lift you out of your ego. Because honestly, Catherine, all the troubles that beset us at the moment in Western civilization, and my God, we've been made more aware of them by the day, come from this absurd story we have about the, the separate self, the ego, the consciousness that has separated us from nature, from each other, and from our own inner depths and just mm. keeps us off the surface of life and it leaves such a vacuum within us that of course we become addicted of course we look outside for this that and the other to fill that sense of you know lack of meaning and purpose and and fullness which which is our birthright to feel and i think more and more people now in turning to eastern practices because the east has a lot of wisdom around that compared with the west turning to those practices that are reconnecting them with their inner depths. And also we see with COVID, you know, with nature, enjoying more going into, into nature and feeling our connection there, which is so important because we are the children of nature. We are the children of Mother Earth. We've come from her. And to, there's a lovely quote from D.H. Lawrence I came across years ago, which said, poor human, plucked from its roots in the earth and the sun how can we possibly flourish in our civilized vase on the table i was talking to uh, someone else about meditation uh, a couple of weeks ago johnny pollard who, I heard um, that. Yes. Yes, who teaches uh, being meditation as well because yes. a lot of people may not really understand what meditation is how it can really work for them uh, what's the easiest way to get into it? Um, so many things. How would you describe your particular type of meditation that you've developed over, what, so many years? Well, I enjoyed listening to Johnny and I have great respect for his experience and wisdom around meditation. He had a very generalised perspective of it. What I practice and teach is what I call mystic meditation. And it's what I've just been talking to you about. It's a meditation practice where there is devotion and the aim is not simply to quieten the mind and de-stress because you could do that doing lots of things deep relaxation probably works better in that regard but meditation is where you're sitting with your spine vertical you don't have to sit cross-legged in a chair but try and keep your spine free of the back of the chair flat feet flat on the floor and you have this intent with the practice to to move deeply into a connection with what the sufi mystics call the beloved of the soul 
with with an inner sense of connection with actually experience it as divine light ultimately within within yourself and it has a quality of great tenderness and love and softness so you know you may not instantly go into that connection but it's surprising how as i say this is such an innate thing it's such a, a birthright in us that you're sitting quietly in that space with an attitude of devotion, you know, surrendering to something much bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. In other words, letting go of that little ego that thinks it's got control over everything and it knows what to do. And it's the one that's keeping in your thinking mind. It loves the thinking mind. It goes round and round in circles in the thinking mind. To step out of that and to surrender to something mm -hmm. more than that, which we are so, so much more than that, and to feel it, you can have a sense of presence. You can have it maybe, you know, maybe a sense of Christ or an angel or just some energy coming in that is so soothing and beautiful. So, so that's my perspective on meditation is to give people a little taste of what that means. So it's more than just sitting and calming the mind and soothing the body, if you see what I mean. It's mm. a devotional practice where you would light a candle perhaps. You may even have a little icon there of a Buddha or whatever. You have a special space, which is your sacred altar, because, darling, we have so lost touch with the sense of the sacred. Sacredness mm. of life, the sacredness of the world around us, the sacredness of beauty. Mm. And so it's a reconnection, if you like, with a sense of the sacred, awakening again that sense of the sacred. It can bring so much nourishment to us. Um, just, you know, just a little while, but I do recommend each day. I think it's a cumulative thing, and same time, same place. It doesn't have to be for very long, but it's lovely if you can get in that space of surrendering to something greater than yourself mm. and allowing that. Now, I know we have traumas and tensions in our body. We have the pain body, as Eckhart Tolle told us, and we have to do our psychotherapeutic work to truly release some of that if we can. Um, but ultimately, you know, that pain will go on and on and on until we surrender it to mm. this higher sense of being. Mm. And I have a lovely analogy there, which a teacher gave me years ago. He said, in our in our life, really, we're trying to row our little vessel across a river to a field of enlightenment and peace and beauty and so on. On the other side, we have a sense of it, intuitive, uh, but we're held back by all the ropes of our traumas and fears and so on and so forth and our ego. Um, and we have to work to loosen some of those ropes, the big ones, to get ourselves going. And we, but when we get halfway across the river, the light on the other side melts the ropes and pulls us towards it. Do you see what I mean? Oh, look, it's I love that. I love that boat metaphor. I, I don't know if yeah. that's actually one of your... It's like the ultimate purification is connection with the, with the light. I remember, I'm not quite sure if it's one of your meditations, actually, but one of the ones I've done is actually starts like that, where you're in the boat. It just, I mean, I think that's the thing that you need to tap into when you also first start meditation is something that you can relate to. So, I mean, I've spent time on the water, you know, in a boat, so yes. I know what the yes. feeling is. And then, and then metaphorically, it just makes so much sense too, doesn't it? It's a lovely. Yes, it's a lovely image. I also love the, the Taoist expression, flowing in the current of the eternal Tao, which is a slightly different image because instead of crossing the river, there you go down it. <laughs> you know, you're flowing down it with the, the Tao being the intelligence of the universe. You're flowing, you're allowing that intelligence to guide your life rather than your silly little ego hasn't got a clue, you know. Well, it's I think practice of meditation gives you into that connection with the Tao and that feeling of knowing like I did you know I knew I had to leave city life I knew I had to leave blah 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 hmm. and and since then I've flowed in the current of the eternal Tao I've just allowed the universe yes. to 
to, to move me. Well, I think that's the other thing about being in the boat because there is that thing of being in a river where you've got a current, I guess, but even if you're on a lake and there's absolutely no current, you're just in the boat. It's like that's also, yeah. that's also about giving, you know, surrender, isn't it, in itself? Yeah, yeah, surrender's a lovely word, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's lovely. Now, I wanted to words. also... Um, surrender and gratitude. Yes, darling. Um, I did want to ask you about the soul because it's it's just interesting, I find. I don't know if you find that, but um, sometimes people come out with these things and say to me things like, oh, look, what is wellness? I I don't understand what wellness is. Or my mother actually said to me a few years ago, I don't understand what the soul is. What is the soul? You know, and it's like, wow, there's so many different ways that you can talk about these things, aren't there? Well, soul has many different interpretations and connotations. Mm. Of course, the Buddhists say they don't believe in a soul. You know, there's no separate self, and yet they talk about reincarnation. So what's being reincarnated? I think more what they mean is that the ego is unreal. This identification with the body and the thinking mind is not our self, which we've just talked about, you mm. know. Mm. That is not the soul. So we can say more easily what, what is not the soul. That's the ego. That's the deluded self, the thing that most of us think we are and we're not. You know, just on that point, just an aside, and I'll get back to your question. You know, the famous philosopher Rene Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. Very mm. famous, I think. It's got completely wrong. Yes. When you become a meditator, it's I am when I don't think. You know? <laughs> and that I amness to me is the soul. It's some part of us. You know, some of the traditions feel that we've been separated from the divine, of course. But there's a part of us that's still here that has that yearning to be reunited with the divine. That to me is the soul. And that's the, that's the intent you have when in mystic meditation. You're allowing your soul to yearn for home if you like for some sort of union with with something much greater than experiences mm. the ego and then of course you can um, experience that in many ways can't you through music or through art or, yes. through, or through yes yes you can feel your soul we talk about soul music and soul self and so on i mm. think it's a very yeah. meaningful term anything that takes you out of that contracting fear-driven ego consciousness you know mm, um, find your soul yeah now, well, I wanted to go to your book as well, because um, we only have a certain amount of time. Um, what, what year did you write that book? So you wrote a book called Consciousness Versus Catastrophe. What year did you write that? And what was the essence uh, of that book? Let's have a look. I've, I've actually written about four books, but that was my latest. And it was in 2016 or thereabouts, I think uh-huh. we published it. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, the subtitle was Reflections on the Next Stage of Human Evolution. So, you know, this is where the evolutionary mystic comes in, this belief that this, this ego phase is just a phase of consciousness that we're moving through, which has gone on too long and been very destructive, but that we're due to step out of that into a whole new level of being, a whole new sense of self, which you've been talking as soul self, if you like to call it. I talk about snowflake self because my feeling around this has came to me as that just as each snowflake is a unique condensation of water, so each one of us is a unique condensation of the infinite or God or the divine, whatever you like to call it. And that if in finding that self, we are connected to our source. Um, and this is the next stage of our evolution is to, is to actually live our lives in that consciousness. Mm. So the ego loses its power over us. Some, some writers have described it as switching computer analogy um, switching on a different um, operating system mm-hmm. and the old ego on the windows uh, so just atrophies. It just becomes, you know, functionless because this new sense of self, this connected self 
is so much more fulfilling and creative and rich and doesn't have the same angst as the ego. And one of its characteristics is it loves to serve. So your gratification, your joy comes in helping others and feeling compassion and caring for others mm. rather than this, again, contracting consciousness, which even the new age spirituality has hijacked, which is all about me, I, mine, my enlightenment, my well-being, and so on, which all the mystics will tell you is not the way to go. You know, that's the ego talking. We're into surrender again. So your question, evolutionary, yes, that the book was consciousness versus catastrophe. Because even back in the 90s and 2000, we were still hoping that that humankind would, could change its trajectory towards extinction, which it is, seems to currently aren't beyond, taking the great deal of the natural world with us, and bring about a sufficient number of people who would step into this higher level of consciousness, this consciousness of love, and, and draw the rest of humanity in and somehow transform us. Mm. So that was, the, that was the title. In fact, it was picked up from someone who said that at this time in history, consciousness finds itself in a race against catastrophe. In other words, if we don't drop the ego and find this other, you know, uh, level of being, then we're going, to, we're going to destroy ourselves. I think I would retitle it now, even four years later, the way the world's going at the moment, and say that we find it's consciousness coming out of catastrophe. My hope now is, you know, the catastrophe is set in, the unraveling, as Joanna Macy calls it, the decline of Western civilization is happening. What we have to do is sow, sow seeds and, and work on ourselves and our loved ones to, to set in train something beyond the collapse. Yes, that's well, it's interesting because I was actually going to finish on that uh, question. We've got a, a few minutes, only a few minutes left. Really? Yes, it yeah. goes so fast, doesn't it? Um, so um, I was actually going to say the relevance of that. So you brought it right around to that, which is great. Do you have a sense in, that uh, there are more people who are becoming conscious? Is that what you're your Oh, thought? I do. I do. And I think, the, you know, the energies, the light beings, whatever you like to call them, the angels, you know, that's the other thing in meditation. You begin to have a sense of all these other realms mm. of being, you know. Mm. I heard a, a really lovely Buddhist, Joanna Macy, speaking the other day. She's a gem. Find her on YouTube, Joanna mm, Macy. Yeah, I've heard she's of you. Yeah, mm. systems theorist and also Buddhist. And she was saying, look, in the, in the spirit realms, the bodhisattvas, the, the awakened ones are queuing up to reincarnate in earth at the moment because it's such an exquisite time to be there. There is so much work to be done. Mm. Yes, well, I mean, well, there is, that's right. And I think um, it, it, it seems to me as well from doing the magazine for as long as I have that um, you do get a feeling that people are realising there's got to be something else, I think. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah, okay. So, so, so what would your closing comments be today, Gillian? Well, we didn't talk about Yoga Nidra, which I really, given that we are going to be going through a challenging time, all of us, all of us, mm. uh, I just urge people to, to find some practice of meditation. It will be enormously helpful, but also the practice of Yoga Nidra, mm. which comes from the yoga tradition where you lie on your back, your voice guidance is essential, you surrender to the voice and the voice guides you through your body from the top of your head down to your toes, back up again, round and round and round, and brings you back into your body. Because, again, one of the great um, errors of Western civilization has been to draw us into our head all the time, you know, mm. lose touch with our body and our feelings. And now is the time to really connect with whole-bodiedness, which you do in Yoga Nidra. And it is extremely healing and extremely relaxing. Mm. It takes you into 
parasympathetic nervous system. But the thing again is to try and find a space to do it every day, 20 minutes, half an hour, something like that. There are downloads on my website. If you like my voice, you can download from there. There are heaps of yoga nidras available on YouTube. People who cannot sit with their spine straight and meditate and their mind goes all over the place and get they're frustrated, try yoga nidra because it's, it's really much less challenging. You're lying on your back in bed. You might go to sleep. That's okay. It's mm. still in a different space of consciousness. Yes, look, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think even when I first started all these things, that's where I began as well. And I did want to really? also say yeah. that my understanding of yoga nidra, I don't know if it might be different the way you teach it, but is that you start sort of at your toes and you actually clench them and hold them and then release, yeah. isn't it? So that's part of it. And you go through each each part of your body. Well, like, that, that's, that's one way of beginning, yes. yes. And then when yes. you've done the tensing and releasing, you then go through the body without any tensing. Absolutely yes. motionless. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that's good. Just so yeah. people understand the process because... Well, it's the practice part of the eight limbs of Patanjali yes. in yoga, yes. you know. It comes after you do your breathing, you do your asanas, your physical asanas, then you do your breathing, and then you do your sense withdrawal, which is yoga nidra, going into yourself. And then you do your meditation. That's the sequence, right? But we've plucked it out of that. Yes. Do it oh, it's fine. The Westerners are very good at plucking things out of the Eastern. They are. <laughs> you know. It's one of the gifts of the time, really. We can harvest all the richness of all these traditions and just take from them what we, what we need. <laughs> it is rather rude, though, isn't it? I think. I oh, well... Never mind. It's better than nothing. <laughs> well, true. That's exactly true. Well, look, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show today, Gillian. It's always a joy to hear your voice. Uh, I'd strongly recommend anyone listening in to um, to go and have a look at at um, the CDs and the other books, perhaps that you've got. I'll I'll share I'll share the links and everything. Well, that's my website, darling. Just drgillianross.com. Yeah, they'll find everything there. Yeah, nice little YouTube chat. But darling, it's been a delight. The twenty minutes has absolutely flown. It's been so lovely talking to you. Blessings to you, darling. <laughs>